Praise God. Well, uh, as we can see in, in the reports here in Australia and Sydney that uh, uh, this uh, pandemic, the new infection rates has been going down and uh, it's looking really great. And uh, we have, that's something that uh, we ought to commend ourselves as Australians for um, doing the right thing and ensuring that this infection doesn't continue. And uh, it's positive signs for us. And we're looking forward to uh, that one day we'll be together again soon. And hopefully it'll be sooner rather than later. But of course we want to uh, be mindful and, and we want to comply with what the government is requiring of us. So um, we'll just have to continue to be patient. And in the meantime, use these platforms that we have, uh, such as our, our live stream on uh, Facebook Live, on our YouTube, and wherever you're watching this. And of course we also have a, on our Sunday services that we are live streaming. And also this Friday, the, the National Youth Department will be live streaming. We have special guests over the next couple of weeks, so that's going to be exciting. And for all of our young people, make sure you tune in for that. And if you're not a part of the, young, the youth group, then you can, you can also watch it. It'll be a blessing to you. I'm quite confident of that. Amen. And we just want to say thank you to everybody that's just been so supportive and continuing to give and continuing to pray and connect with everybody, communicate with everyone, we're seeing some really uh, positive things happening uh, within the church itself. So um, we're really excited, and hopefully it won't be too long, as I said. But in the meantime, we want to look into God's Word. And tonight, as I said, that we will be starting a new series on relationship matters. Relationship matters. And uh, we're excited and believing that uh, God's going to help us and this is a great time, as we've talked about over the last few weeks, a great opportunity for us as we are now confined to our homes, that we are able to uh, look into some of these issues that, that we are facing with, and particularly uh, now that we're confined, that we can um, address our, our issues of relationship. Uh, that's very, very important. So if you have your Bibles with you, let's read together in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16. We want to begin by looking at a couple of passages of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 16, the Bible says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Amen. Uh, I believe that's the New Living Translation. If you look at also into the Gospel of Luke chapter 10, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verse number 27 to 29. And he answering and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, this is this, uh, a lawyer that was talking to Jesus, and so he responded to him, Thou hast answered right, this is Jesus responding to him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, the lawyer, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And uh, in response to that question, Jesus begins to talk uh, and share the story or the parable of the Good Samaritan. Amen. I think this is so vital for us to look into, as I said, when it comes to relationships, because this is at the, the very heart of the purpose of the church by which 
Jesus Christ gave his life for. Our relationships have the ability to adversely affect our, our relationship with God and even our eternity. Because how many times have we seen people who are offended by somebody else, perhaps somebody in the church, or worse yet, offended and, and, and broken in their, their marriage, their marriage falls apart, and it affects their walk with God and affects their relationship with God. How many times have we seen people that are offended walk away from the church and ultimately walk away from God because of their relationship with somebody else? Relationships can sour or fail most often than not because of our inability for us to do healthy relationships. And when relationships are dysfunctional, there is distress, there are problems. And this is particularly important under these current circumstances that we are in because now that we are limited and, and we're, we're at home all the time and when we're not used to that, we're used to going to work, kids are used to going to school, but now we're together a lot and it's causing for some people uh, a lot of distress and, and problems and fights and arguments. In fact, according to the statistics released by the United Nations, they report uh, uh, domestic violence in France, for example, has increased by 30% following the lockdown, the country's lockdown on March 17. During the first two weeks of lockdowns in Spain, the emergency number for domestic violence received 18% more calls and helplines in Singapore have received 30% more calls in response to domestic violence. Uh, NBC News reported that law enforcement agencies across the United States have seen domestic violence cases rise up to 35% in recent weeks. Now, I, I couldn't quite find the statistics for Australia, but, but I suspect that we would have some similar uh, problems uh, maybe not as much, perhaps, because our lockdowns are not as severe. But certainly, I think the common denominator in all of this is that being staying home at, at home with, with, with your loved ones, with your family, when you're not used to it, when you're used to only seeing them in the evenings later on uh, when you come home, but now being together 24-7, sometimes that, that can cause problems. And, and so relationships are so crucial and so vital and it's so important, and particularly as it pertains to our relationship with God. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, in the text that we read, it's basically telling us that you cannot grow, and you cannot be healthy, and you cannot be full of love alone. You can only do it within the body of Christ, within the, the, the church, the framework of the family of God, that God had put us in place together. God had called us into community. You remember the story of when God created Adam and, and God said everything was good and the first time he said something was not good was when he saw that man was alone. He created within mankind a desire for him, for God. Yes, he did. But he also created within us the capacity and the desire and the need for human relationships. And, and, a, and that is a, a need that we all have. We have a desire to be with one another and and of course, the closest or the ideal kind of relationship and partnership is that of marriage. And then we're going to be talking about that in the next couple of weeks. But what I want to talk to you about tonight is uh, that in healthy relationships, a relationship matters, it starts with you. Okay? It starts with you. If you are listening to this, point to yourself, wherever you are, it says, it starts with me. Amen. 
Uh, we have seen today, particularly with um, what's happening in our world, the, the rise of, of social media as being so important in being able to retain our relationships with our friends, with our family, with, with church family, and has become so, so very important. And, and uh, yet, we, even though we have all of these avenues, and, and I think what, what this lockdown or what the shutdown has really exacerbated in our communities and our society is, is the sense of loneliness. Um, Robert Putnam in his book, Bowling Alone, says that, that um, loneliness, it, it, it blankets this whole world. It, it, it covers this entire world like a blanket. And, and loneliness, for some people, particularly with what's happening today, is even heightened even more. And, and that is something that we have to be very mindful of. And, and we're thankful uh, that we have family. We're thankful that we have relationships and we have the church that we can call to, that we can have connections with. But it's also important to understand that sometimes relationships can go wrong. And they go wrong because of our unhealthy way of relating. Praise God. Now, people today um, have that connection, yes, but oftentimes that connection will falter and will fail um, because they haven't been taught how to do relationships correctly or appropriately or healthily. Uh, in the Bible, we see that God gave the children of Israel, God gave the children of Israel the Sabbath. Okay, he gave them the Sabbath um, so that they, the children of Israel, could rest. And the children of Israel were told so many things that they were not allowed to do on the Sabbath. They were not allowed to sow. They were not allowed to plow. They wouldn't reap. They wouldn't bind sheaves. They wouldn't thresh. They wouldn't winnow. No selecting, no grinding, no sifting, no kneading, no baking, no shearing wool, no beating wool, no dyeing wool, no spinning, no wheat. On and on it goes. No flaying, no tanning, no scraping hides, uh, no erasing two or more letters, no writing two or more letters or erasing two or more letters, no building, no demolishing, no extinguishing a fire, no kindling a fire. And uh, they, they were told to just simply stay home with your family. And, and of course, I believe that God gave them the Sabbath because he wanted them to understand that you are not an animal, that you're not a beast of burden, you're a machine. But I believe he also wanted to emphasize to them a time of families being together, of that relationship, of that connection that is so crucial and that is so vital. And I want you to understand today that God put us in relationships. And there's various levels of relationship from marriage, uh, children and parents, friends, and then there's the church family to which we also find friends, to which we also have family members. And that church family is so crucial in being able to bring growth and maturity and change in our lives. And so we have to put some effort. We have to be diligent with how we conduct ourselves in our relationships. And whenever there's a relationship breakdown, whenever there's a problem in relationship, it's often because it starts with us. Proverbs 4 and 23, the Bible says to keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Amen. And so what he's saying is, uh, of all the issues of life, it all stems from what's within us, from our hearts or our minds. Uh, when it refers to the heart, oftentimes in the Bible, it's not referring to that, 
that, that bodily organ that pumps blood uh, throughout our bodies, but it's referring to our minds, our, our thoughts, our consciences, and, and our feelings, our emotions, our will. And, and he says there in that scripture that all of the issues comes from within. And oftentimes a lot of our relationship breakdowns and relationship problems stems from within us, starts with us. Amen. I want you to understand here today that everything hinges on our personal walk with God. Okay, I just want to establish this, this premise. This is, this is a given, but I, I ought to mention it because I know there's always somebody who says, well, you know, you forgot to mention it's all about God. Yes, of course. It starts with God, and, and I'm not going to belabor that, but I'm simply going to assume that you understand that our, if our relationship with God is strong, it will have an impact on our relationship with people. If our our vertical relationship is, is in right alignment, then our horizontal relationship will also start to improve and will be healthy. But sometimes, even though we have a healthy relationship with God, sometimes we can still find ourselves getting into trouble with our fellow brothers, with our friends, and particularly with our spouse. And so, um, as we read there in Luke chapter 10, verse 27, the, the lawyer uh, answered correctly, and Jesus commended him. You shall love the Lord your God, that's where it starts, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you have answered right. And so it starts with God, with loving God, with everything that we have. And then we are to love our neighbors the way we, we love ourselves. Okay, So our love for God, and here's what I want to point out right now, is that our love for God is inextricably tied to our love for our neighbor. Okay? So you cannot say, I love God and hate your brother, the Bible says, or your neighbor. In fact, Jesus commands us to love our enemies. We have so much love for, for those who love us back, and, and, you know, that's good, of course. But, but everybody does that, Jesus said, even... Even the heathen will love those who love them back. That doesn't, that doesn't differentiate you. That doesn't excel you above them. You're just like everybody else. But as a true believer in Jesus Christ, as a Christian, we are commanded, we are tested to love our enemies. Uh, and, and you say, well, I, I don't have any enemies. You know, I, I like everybody. And, and well, that's wonderful. But whoever it is that, that comes in opposition to you, whoever it is that perhaps stirs up a negative emotion in you that, you know, they might even be your friend and yet somehow you have some uh, problems, some falling out, some, you know, uh, misunderstandings and, and that stirs up that kind of uh, negative feelings with inside of you. Well, that for that moment is your enemy and you are, we are called to love our enemies. We're called to love those who don't want to do good to us, who don't want to uh, say nice things about us. We're called not to reciprocate that same uh, action or behavior, but we are called to love them. And love is the basis of all relationships. But as Christians, that extends, as I said, just to beyond our, just our family, our church, and our friends, but to our enemies as well. But in order for us to have strong and healthy relationships and friendships, we must come to the understanding that it begins with us. Okay? It begins with us. We often have uh, you know, oh, I've got all these people that are attacking me, that are coming against me. Sometimes the problem is not with all the other people. It's everybody else's fault. Have you ever heard somebody say that? 
oh, it's always their fault. You know, when, when somebody tells you their story, they're always the victim. And the other people are always the, uh, uh, the persecutors, you know, the, the guys are, that are doing evil against them. Sometimes you just got to take a step back and, and say, hang on, well, what's the common denominator with all of these problems with all of these people? Well, that's very simple. That's you. You're the common denominator. And so uh, I want you to understand that healthy relationships begins with, with yourself, with a healthy understanding of yourself. And so that's my first point. I know we've been inundating you with lots and lots of points. I've only got four points today, I promise, and, uh, I, because I want you to remember as much as you can. Number one is you have to have a healthy love for yourself. Okay, a healthy love for self. It, it has often been said that, as this text shows and what we read, that we often cannot love our neighbors, because he says to love my neighbor as myself. We cannot love our neighbors like ourselves because we don't love ourselves. And, and I'm not suggesting a, a, a kind of perverted kind of self-obsession of love and self-love and you know, being uh, uh, like narcissistic in your view, you know, that, you know, the story about Narciso, this in Greek mythology, that uh, it, that's where we get the word narcissism from. Narciso, who, who looked into the water and the lake and never seen his reflection before, saw his reflection and was so, uh, so enamored by his own looks, his own beauty and his own good looks that, that he couldn't stop looking at it. He just became consumed with how beautiful he was. And that's what it means to be narcissistic, to be so self-absorbed, self-obsessed, and everything's about you and, and your relationships. It's, it's about what others can do for you and how they can feed your ego and how they can feed your, your desires and your wants. That's narcissism. And when I'm saying that we should have a healthy love for ourselves, I'm not saying for us to be narcissistic or, or self-consumed or so, uh, you know, inwardly looking. But what I am saying is that you've got to come to an acceptance of God's love for you. You've got to come to an acceptance that, that you are valuable, that you are worth something, and you are worth everything to God. And, and so often, why this is important, it's because it's hurt people that hurt people, okay? It's, it's people who are often have been abused, themselves become perpetrators of abuse. It's those who have been victimized, who have been hated, that often cannot show hate. In fact, it's, it's those people who are filled with self-loathing that, that cannot love their neighbors because they don't even love themselves. In fact, they hate themselves. That's what I'm saying. And so you've got to come to a place where you accept God's love and His word for you, that, that you are loved, that you are accepted by God. And, and I know this may, may sound cliche that you might have heard it over and over, but, but it's sometimes very difficult for us to, to be able to accept the fact that I am special, that God had called me, that I, I, I believe it's true, like that old song, that he, you know, when He was on the cross, you and I were on His mind. And that if you were the only one that would believe in Christ, I believe that God would have still gone to the cross. He would have still given his life and died upon that cross just for you. And, and so, uh, and I think, well, out of all the people in the world that, that God loves me, yes, he loves you. He accepts you for who you are. And you have got to come to terms with that same understanding and revelation that God loves you. That's why 
uh, people go into uh, you know, destructive relationships. That's why you'll see some, some women, for example, who are victims of domestic violence, and they'll remain in, in that destructive and, 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 and terrible, violent relationship because they think that, they can't, that they're not worth any more than that. They believe what, what some abusive spouses would tell them, that, that they're useless, that they're no good. And they believe that, and they remain in that relationship. But, but you, we have to learn as, as believers, as Christians, to look at what, what God says about us and let that begin to furnish our self-concept and how we see ourselves. Again, I'm not saying to be arrogant or proud. That's the last thing I'm trying to convey to you. But what I'm saying is that, that when those voices come flooding into our hearts and minds and tell us that we're not, not worth it, that we're no good, that, that we don't deserve any better, that, that we should just settle for, for anybody that, that you know, is interested in us. You know, if you're a single person, that, that somehow we should just settle for whoever, and even if they're not living for God, even if they're not Christians, you know, and if this is the only one we can get, you don't have to settle but you've got to learn to take God's word and, and believe it for yourselves and begin to see yourself in the way that God sees you, in the way that God perceives you, that you are valuable and special in His sight. That's what I'm talking about. That's what we've got to cultivate. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying to, to walk around with your, your chest puffed up and your, your, your head up like as if, you know, you were, uh, you know, all that in a bag of chips? Absolutely not. But we can look at ourselves in the way that God sees us, that we are the child of God, that we are royalty. <laughs> uh, I know that's kind of hard for, for some people to conceive, but we are uh, the sons and daughters of the Most High God. We are the prince and princesses of, princes and princesses of the King of Kings. And, and that should furnish the way that we view not just relationships. In fact, I think the, the way that we view life. When we wake up in the morning, know that, wake up with a mindset that, oh, not, not with the mindset of that oh, I'm hopeless, I'm useless, but with the mindset that I'm blessed, that I'm God's special child, that I am the apple of his eye and the hollow of his hand, that, that he, you know, he knows my, my downsittings and uprisings, and that he is with me all the way. Amen. That's why even through this pandemic, no matter what we're going through, We've got to trust in God, that, that God's going to see us through this. Even if we don't understand what's going on, even if we don't know uh, the, the finish line and we don't necessarily see the light at the end of the tunnel, we've got to trust that even in the darkest part of the tunnel, that God is leading us to where He wants us to go. Amen. And with that kind of understanding, folks, we can't lose. We can take, we can take life by the reins and say, you know, I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not afraid of what tomorrow brings. Why? Because I know God is on my side and He's not going to leave me. He's not going to forsake me. He's going to direct my path. Amen. And so with that kind of winning attitude, with that kind of healthy perspective, then we can learn to, to love others because we've already come to accept that we love ourselves because of God's love for us. Not love, again, I, have to, I feel like I have to keep qualifying this because for many of us, even for me maybe, this is such a, a strange idea, oh, love yourself. Oh, he, you know, we often used to say, oh, he's a, uh, you know, a love me do, or, you know, he's a, a, a love-o, he loves himself, whatever. But um, I think this is so crucial, it is so vital. Uh, he, humanity or our society today has lost the view of humanity, the value of mankind. Um, 
in Prager University, uh, according to their research over the course of 30 years of asking high school and college students if their dog or another human being who was a stranger was in danger, who would they save? And here's what's, what's fascinating. They said two-thirds have always, they always vote against saving the person, but they would save their animal, their pet first. Many don't know what they would do, and some would, would vote for the, for the dog, uh, for, for the human. But it's amazing that so many people view it this way, and, and it's because they're thinking by their emotions. They don't have any emotional attachment to, to a stranger. They obviously have an emotional attachment to their pets. But uh, if that were the case, if you were to, to save your pet over a human being, you could potentially go to court for not uh, doing something to help somebody else. You would not go to court if you allowed an animal to die, but you know, perhaps you couldn't help them. But uh, that's kind of where our world is today, where the value of a human being is no longer where it ought to be. Remember, folks, we were created in the image of God. And I want to tell you, if you're watching this and maybe you struggled with your self-esteem, with your sense of self-worth, with who you are, I want you to know you've got to learn to take God's word, to let that be the filter of your self-talk. You've got, you've got to recite it. You've got to memorize it. You've got to preach it to yourself of what the Bible says, that you are valuable, that he's numbered the hairs upon your heads, that he calls you a victorious, that he, he gave himself for you, that God so loved the world. And I believe that that will be the starting point of having a healthy relationship with others. Amen. All right, number two, and I, I've got to hurry. Uh, number one is healthy uh, acceptance or healthy love for yourself. Number two, you've got to be the right person. Be the right person. Okay, so, uh, you know, if you are single, you know, perhaps you're always looking for the right person to be. Uh, I'll show you this image real quickly. Uh, I don't know if you could see it on the screen where you're at. Um, this is a picture of a woman waiting for the perfect man. Okay, waiting for the perfect man. I don't know if you can see that. If you can, well, <laughs> I think that's an accurate picture. Waiting for the perfect man because uh, he'll never come, okay? And, and so, you know, when, when you're single, you kind of make this list of uh, all these things. And, of course, you should have some expectations. You should have a, a particular basic criteria that they should be, you know, a Christian uh, you know, that they should love God, they should be born again, uh, of course, some of those basic things. And then sometimes, you know, when we're starting off pretty young, we have a long list, a criteria of what we expect them to be. But, but here's something I want you to, uh, to try and absorb. Instead of looking for the right person, start to be the right person that that person is looking for. Be the right person that that person is looking for. Okay, I want to show you another image you can put that up if you can. They just found, they just finished volume one of the book of understanding women that's finally alive in the stores. Apparently that's volume number one and there are thousands of volumes apparently. <laughs> I'm just joking, I'm being facetious. Uh, but, but I think there's some truth to the fact that, that you know, when it comes to relationships, men and women, 
are always going to be so different from one another. And um, we were created differently. We're hardwired differently. We are made in the image of God to be very different in many ways. Different temperament, different physicalities, different uh, ways of communicating, different ways of viewing things, uh, different levels of emotions and emotional expressions. Amen? And so uh, there, there's going to be a, a myriad, and you'll never find Mr. Perfect, and you'll never find Miss Perfect either. And, and so what I'm suggesting to you is that in relationship, you've got to be the right person. Be the person you were looking for is looking for. That uh, comes from Andy Stanley. That wasn't mine. Be the person you were looking for is looking for. And the, the right person myth is that if I marry the right person, everything will be all right. Okay? That's the myth, that if I marry the right person, everything's going to be all right. And what they didn't know is that the other person was also saying, if I meet the right person, everything will be all right. Can I tell you that, that sometimes when you get into that relationship, if the relationship is not healthy, if you both don't communicate well, and if you don't, both don't do relationships well, and, and oftentimes the way we do relationships with other people is a result of how relationship was done to us as children, okay? But I submit to you that you have the ability to, to don't, don't expect that of them, but you start being the right person that you would like for them to be, okay? Start to be, if you want to see uh, uh, openness from somebody, you start showing the same kind of openness. If you want to see uh, uh, somebody being, you know, uh, understanding towards you, well, make sure that you're, you're modeling understanding. So if you, and when you start to model healthy relationships, functional relationships, and I believe that you will see that in other people, or at least you'll be drawn to other people who will have the same kind of values and temperament as you. Uh, in that story uh, that, that we had read the beginning of, and uh, we didn't have, for the sake of time, didn't read the story about the Good Samaritan, we read about the Jesus telling this parable uh, as in response to the question of the, the lawyer who said, who is my neighbor? And Jesus begins to tell the story. He tells him there was a certain man who was, who was robbed on his way down uh, the road, and he was left half, half beaten, half dead. He was in a bad state, and there came a Levite and a priest that came, and when they saw him, instead of going to this man who had been a victim of, of a, a uh, violent um, robbery, instead of going to him, they, they walked the to the other side of the road. They, they walk by, and they don't do anything to help him. And Jesus introduces a character to, to the Jewish listeners at that time and tells them, and a certain Samaritan, and, and if you know anything about the relationship between Jews and Samaritans, is that the Jews hated Samaritans. They considered them as dogs, less than dogs. And uh, it's, Jesus is saying, this Samaritan stopped to help this man. He put him on his, his, his own donkey and, and took him to an inn, took care of him, bandaged their wounds, paid money to the innkeeper to look after him, to, to make sure he recovers, and shows compassion on him, the Bible says. And so Jesus concludes that story in verse 36 by saying, Now, which now of these three, out of, the Samar out of the Levite, the priest, and Samaritan, which of these three do you think was a neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And it was, the answer, of course, was obvious. But what Jesus was doing with this parable, and I love this story, is that, that this lawyer was asking, Who is my neighbor? 
You know, he says, if I should love my neighbor as myself, but, but who is my neighbor? And Jesus reverses the question. The question shouldn't be, who is my neighbor? But the question ought to be, who am I being a neighbor to? And that's the same answer that the Samaritan gave in the story. The Samaritan was the neighbor. It didn't matter who it was, but am I being a neighbor to others? And that's where, hear me, folks, our relationship breaks down when, when we are self-centered and, and saying, she didn't do this for me, he didn't do this for me. We make selfish demands in marriage. We have demands and expectations in, in the friendships, in our relationships. Well, you know, she didn't uh, like this and she didn't, you know, say this about me. Don't, don't expect it from other people, but you be a neighbor to them. You show that love to other people because you've got to be the right person. It's your responsibility to be the right person, to be the person you're looking for is looking for. Amen. There's this false notion caused by the incorrect wording of, of falling in love. And, and here's, I just want to add this to, to this thought that, um, you know, the, we have this terminology, oh, we fell in love and fell in love. And, 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 and that, it it's means well, but it's not accurate. Because when you fall into something, it's usually, it's an accident when you fall down. When you, I fell into a ditch, you know. And, and falling in love uh, kind of um, highlights the idea of, of something that's beyond your control. Oh, I couldn't help it, we just fell in love. And, and that sounds all romantic and all, and that sounds like very Hollywood and everything, but the problem with that is, <laughs> is that if you can fall in love, you can fall out of love, Right? If you can fall into it, then you can, oops, I uh, didn't mean to not fall out of love with, with him anymore. And so, uh, I, you know, I met somebody else. Or uh, you go to work and, and perhaps you've been arguing with your spouse and you go to the office and there's a, another a young man there who's showing interest and he's showing kindness and that, that your husband wasn't showing you at home. And, and then all of a sudden, we just happened. We fell in love. Uh, and you're, you're signing the divorce papers and you're saying goodbye. Uh, Again, it wasn't your fault. You fell in love. You know, it was an accident. You didn't mean to. No, that, that, is, that is ludicrous. That is just um, not right. And, and so um, relationships and healthy relationships and love and marriage, it is a deliberate daily working out of deciding, deliberate decision of deciding every day that I'm going to love this person and, and I'm going to be with this person and I will be the right person for them instead of expecting them to be the right person. You know, uh, well, you know, our, our relationship just broke down because she just wasn't what I expected. She just wasn't doing this. You, you've got to turn it around like Jesus does with this parable and say, am I being a neighbor to that man? Not, not who is my neighbor or why is she doing that? Why is he doing that? But what do, what do I have to do uh, to, to make sure that I'm being the right, the right spouse to that person. So be the right person. Number three, uh, you are responsible for your boundaries. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurry with this. You are responsible for your boundaries. What I'm trying to say is that nobody can, uh, can abuse you without your permission in terms of relationships. Nobody can intimidate you without your permission. And how you treat others is not predicated, is not dependent on how others treat you. Okay, so you have to determine. Uh, you know, if, if you, you know, kind of react with a knee-jerk kind of reaction because somebody 
didn't say hello to you, well, I'm not going to say hello to them back. In a sense, that person's behavior is um, influencing your behavior. It's controlling your behavior. So you, you're not responsible anymore. Or, or perhaps they, they slighted you or, or they said something bad to you. Then, then you say something back because they said that to you. Well, again, and, and you lose your Christianity about it. You, you lose your, your, your sense of composure. And you're allowing somebody else's behavior to dictate your behavior. Okay, so that's what I'm talking about. When you are, take responsibility for your own boundaries of where you begin and where somebody else ends or where you end and where somebody else begins, you've got to maintain those lines. First uh, John chapter 3, um, verse number 13, John writes, he says, First John 3 and 13, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you, okay, don't, don't be amazed that the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loves not his brother abides in death. Whosoever hates his brother is a murderer. And pretty strong words. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Again, wow, they're pretty strong words from the great apostle. Uh, what he's saying is that, that don't, don't marvel that the world hates you. The world is full of hate. Okay, don't, don't be shocked that, that, that even your brethren sometimes are not going to be nice to you necessarily. They may offend you. They may hurt you. Uh, because we're all fallen human beings. We're all broken people, okay? And, and we're going to mess up sometimes. We're going to make mistakes, and we will say something that will disappoint you or, or, or may even hurt you. But know that, that, uh, that that's to be expected, he's saying, because we have to, because we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. That's how we know, because we love those even our brothers and sisters who sometimes are not always right, who not always do good to us. He that loves not his brother abides in death. Pretty strong words. Verse 17. But whoso has this world's good and sees his brother have need and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Amen. And so uh, we have to follow these commandments, and it's our responsibility uh, to ensure that we have a healthy relationship. So you determine your boundaries, okay? And i got to close. Number four. Uh, number four is assume the role of a servant. Assume, assume the, the role of a servant. When Jesus came to have a final meal with his disciples, he did something that he wanted to convey. This was the last meal. After three and a half years of being together, of, of having meals together, of um, ministering and, and living within the same quarters and so on, now was the last meal that they were going to have. And Jesus, instead of saying, okay, boys, you know, I've been looking after you. Now, you know, it's our last meal, so I want to hear all the good stuff you have to say about me. He doesn't do that. But he gets a... He gets a towel, and he gets a basin, and he begins to wash his disciples' feet. 
In verse, John chapter 13, verse 14, he says, If I then, your Lord, John 13 and 14, your Lord and Master have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Amen. What Jesus does is he gets on his hands and knees and he washes the feet of his disciples, you know, as, as how dirty they would be. This was uh, something that was reserved for the lowest uh, member of the household, usually the servant, if they had a servant. Uh, but God, uh, Jesus Christ, was wanting to show his followers, his disciples, the spirit of a servant. That even though he was the Lord of all, yet he became a servant to everyone. And, and I know oftentimes we think of servant, servanthood as in, in terms of what we do in church. But I want to encourage you to assume the role of a servant in terms of your relationship. Okay, if, if you can only remember one thing from this lesson tonight, it would be this that I would want you to remember. It's to take upon you the role of a servant, not just in opening the doors of church or whatever it is that you do, sing, play, uh, whatever, but in your relationships. Be a servant in your relationships. Here's what, what, he, what Paul tells us in Philippians in chapter 2, verse number 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Amen. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. That's, that's selfless, sacrificial attitude. Then he says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. Amen. I wonder what our relationships would look like if we took or put on, as Paul said, let this mind, to, to let the mind of Christ be in us of a servant that we would serve our children, as it were. And, and I'm not saying that we don't have authority, exercise authority and discipline over our children. Absolutely, we have to provide correction. We have to provide discipline and boundaries upon our kids. But, but we do that with an attitude of a servant. We are serving them because God called us, and Jesus said, the greatest among you, let him be the servant of all. That we are serving our children, our spouses. If we can look at them as not somebody that's, there to, to do what we want and to fulfill our, our bidding and, and to, to serve us, but that we serve them. What would happen? What would be the, the, the composure and what would our relationships begin to look like if we treated one another like we were their servant? He said, esteem them higher than yourself. Again, I'm not saying for you to put yourself down. We are valuable in the sight of God. But what I'm saying is to start to look at your relationships. Maybe you've had some trouble. Maybe you've had some problems. And we're going to look at that in the next couple of weeks in, in, when it comes to marriage. Uh, but start to look at perhaps with a new set of eyes, with a fresh perspective of being a servant to my friends, to my, my um, workmates, to my employees. Maybe you're, maybe you're a CEO, you're a manager, and there's people under you. Maybe... Uh, you're, you're a director of a big company. Start to see those under you as people that you serve. And, of course, your own family, your spouse, your children. 
Start to look at them with the spirit of servanthood. How am I serving my spouse? Not making selfish demands, not making judgments, uh, but um, simply there to give to one another. And if the whole family took on that same spirit, that same attitude, I'm telling you, there will be healthy relationships, even in the midst of a pandemic where we are uh, restrained to staying home. It will be a happy home. I can honestly say uh, I've, I've kind of enjoyed this time of being at home more with my kids and my wife. It's been a blessing. Uh, not to say that we don't have disagreements, that we don't have arguments. It happens. Of course, we're human. But uh, when we can learn to take on that same attitude and that same spirit, there will be patience. There will be long-suffering. There will be forbearance and temperance. And there will be joy and happiness in the home. Amen. So those four things, learn to love yourself a healthy kind of way, uh, learn to uh, be the right person, be responsible for your boundaries, and, and number four, uh, assume the role of a servant. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time that we have together. But God, I thank you for this opportunity that I can share some thoughts about how relationship matters. And Lord, our relationships are often a result of how we, we treat the other person and how we conduct ourselves and how we do relationships. And so I pray, Lord, as your people that are listening to this, that you would help us to grow and that you would help us to mature in our ability to treat one another with kindness, with patience, with love, beginning first, Lord God, with a, a healthy uh, understanding and acceptance of, of our value, of our worth, that we are loved and so we can love ourselves because you loved us and because you loved us we have no right to hate ourselves and Lord God to help us to understand that we are to be the right person instead of waiting for the right person to be here uh, in our lives Lord God give us responsibility for our own selves and to put on the spirit and the mind of a servant in the same way that you did though you are the king of glory yet you became a servant of all, and you served all of humanity by giving of yourself. I pray, too, that we would have the same spirit and same attitude today. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Well, thank you for joining with us today. Thank you for listening to, to this, and we pray you have an outstanding week. Don't forget to tune in uh, to our, our youth ministry on Friday and also our Sunday services, 915 and 1115. We pray you have a blessed week.